Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Mr. LaBella, how are you today, pal? Okay? I am Mad Dog. I'm here. How are oh, we doing? There he is! There he is! You're making me wear that Diamondback jersey out the center field bleachers. What the hell are you doing here, Jimmy? Let me hear. I love it. You know what? Me and my boy, Stephen A., we're going to hold you accountable to wearing that jersey the entire week, no matter what show you're on. Radio, TV, it better happen all the way through the end of your Friday bro- last broadcast. A deal's a deal on that one. A deal's a deal, and you let me off the hook easy. Uh, obviously, we had a lot of fun with this Diamondback thing. Were you perturbed? And we're going to get Peter King in with you in a second. Our buddy Peter, of course, from NFL. He wants to ask you a question. Were you perturbed that I went out on a limb and said there's no way the Diamondbacks can win game six and seven Philadelphia? Was there a part of you who was bothered by that? Not one bit. I know um, you're you're a sports fan. You follow it. You know it. And it was your opinion. It's what matters most. And you were going to say it. You were going to live it. And you were going to believe it. But um, it gave us a little bit of momentum, a little bit of juice. We felt like uh, if we could prove you wrong, It'd be a great day for us. But as far as perturbed, no way. You got your opinion. We respect that. And you go out there every day and make make magic happen. Well, that's you said that. But you're older. You grew up in entertainment and Hollywood, all in the family. How about those young players getting a feel of it? How about them? I, I think some of them were a little bit bothered. But, um, you know, anytime you're looking for some external information to, to help you uh, get a little bit bigger chip on your shoulder. I think that's fine. Internally, we're extremely motivated. But, uh, yeah, I know a bunch of our guys were bothered by a few things that took place. Um, the backup catcher for Philly saying he was going to beeline for the pool here, that was motivating. Uh, you know. And I think you, were, you followed up on the heels of that by saying we had no chance of winning the series. I think our boys wanted to prove you wrong. All right, so you took this as a manager. Now, that's a football bulletin board stuff with football coaches. Are you smart? You were very smart and astute to use that to your advantage. So in a lot of ways, you can say that I had not that you won the games and Merrill Kelly and everything else, but you're not adverse to playing a little bulletin board material if you have to, correct? Not, of course not. Of course not. Um, and we know that you guys as, as – um, as sport figures and, and you're doing your job and just going out there and making making it happen every single day, you guys are entitled to your opinion. And an opinion is opinion, um, you know, based on your own personal facts. But we felt very strongly that we had some good things happening every single day here inside of our clubhouse. And we were going to spin that into something that we could use the right way. And, yeah, our guys were talking about it. And I know post-game in Philly, I think the guys were getting after it. They were even chanting your name and, and dancing around the clubhouse. That was fun for me to watch. Yeah, that was fun. And I tell you, you never, so to make it clear, you never that, up, I would, you tell me, you were never that upset. Not a big deal to you whatsoever. Not at all. Not at all. And I was probably starting to have a little bit more fun with it because I know that you and I have had a great bond and it's been a great relationship. So no, no, no. I was never taking that too personal on that level. Um, but I did want to tell you, though, if you were going to quit, we are taking applications here in Arizona for any type of employment. We need some vendors out there selling some peanuts and hot dogs. We got you just in case. If you did and you were going to quit, we had you covered. Uh, I I want Peter to ask you a quick question before you go. Peter, go ahead there with Tori Lavello. You're a big sports fan. You love the baseball. Go ahead, Pete. Let me hear. Hey, Tori, how you doing? Good to talk to you. Likewise. Um, Hey, I want to ask you about Bill's Mafia. I know uh-huh. you're a Bills guy. I know you're a Bills guy, and I looked at the schedule and I said, "Wow, the season will be over Sunday night, whatever happens." So you're going to be able to watch 
this game, this gigantic game with the Bengals, are you a little fired up about it? Uh, well, of course I am. First of all, um, I got to go on the record of saying I married into the Bills Mafia, and I am 100% of a believer. <laughs> um, Sean McDermott has become a friend of mine, and, and uh, I just respect him, obviously, on a totally different level. When you get to know somebody's heart uh, and what motivates him, and, and you see him operate every single day, you know, you, you learn to appreciate that. But I do appreciate the teams, the local teams here. JG is my boy, too, here in, in Arizona. Yeah. We're starting to strike up a little bit of a professional friendship. So I support all the local teams here, first and foremost. But when you marry into something like the Bills Mafia, watch out. It's coming every single week. But, yeah, there's a big game this week. Um, I think it's a little bit of sentiment, too, because, you know, last year with DeMar Hamlin getting, um, getting going through his situation, they're playing the Bengals. So, I, you know, a lot of people are going to be tuning in in just a little bit of different way but we watch every single sunday you can't believe what's going on at our house like we got the candles burning we got the life-size josh uh, allen <laughs> poster up we we might be considered a little bit freak freakish but it's real and we we want to bring it in for him uh, how about that i didn't even know that so peter does a wonderful job uh, let's do a second or two on game four tonight after losing game three bullpen game let me get your thoughts on that go yeah, ahead it's going to be a challenge but i i love the aspects of a bullpen game it's like a chess match it's how my mind works and it's going to be a challenge i'm I'm engaged, and I'm thinking with a clear head through the entire game no matter what, but this one has a little extra ingredient to it. You know, you, you got to be spot on with where you're going to start and stop your guys that are coming into the bullpen, coming out of the bullpen, and, you know, you're going to be getting counterpunched by an unbelievable baseball guy across the way, so you just got to have plan A, B, and C, but I, I love the idea of a bullpen game. It is how my mind works. should be an exciting night for us. Excellent job, Tori. Bobby, it's a nice to have you with us here today. Always a pleasure. How are you, okay? Nice to have you aboard. Chris Russo, good to be with you, dude. Thank you. Thank very, you. And I tell you, I was just going through it. Frank Howard was a very, very underrated slugger. People don't realize how good he was. He's a little bit before your time, but you grew up and knew a lot about him. Give me a little rundown on how good a power hitter Frank Howard was. Go ahead. Let me hear. Wow. Well, you know, you know, Chris, I got to coach with him under George Bamberger. Then Frank took over for George Bam Bamberger as the manager of the Mets. I was his third base coach, and then Davey came in, and we coached together under Davey Johnson uh, for for a year with Mel Stoudemire. And, you know, it, the, the thing about Frank that has to be put in perspective somehow is he was Aaron Judge. He was the same size. He was the biggest dude going – and he had a pretty good eye. And the, the great thing that I hear about Frank, and I heard it repeatedly, I remember Bill Mazeroski was a coach of mine when I played in Seattle, and he used to say that Frank would hit balls literally like the line drive that was hit last night in the World Series that took, uh, almost took the glove off of uh, the second baseman for Texas, um, you know, where it was just a bullet. He would hit that line drive, and it'd go over the fence. And not only go over the fence, but it would keep going until it hit something and stopped. Sometimes it was a second deck. He was a low ball hitter from what they all said. And when he got that low ball, he just golfed it at 6 feet 7, 250 pounds. He was, he was an amazing animal. And, and one of the great things about him, Chris, is that, you know, he really studied the game of baseball. And the guy that he was infatuated with was Maury Wills. Oh, really? And, 
Yeah, being an old Dodger in the whole nine yards and more, he became a manager. When Frank was a manager and a coach, the one thing he loved to do in spring training is he would take the entire group from home plate down to first base, to second base, to third base, around the home, and do a 40-minute base running lecture that Frank Howard took pride in doing and almost had Maury Wills' clinic uh, verbatim where he could say, you know, how many steps you get in your lead and how you get back to the base and, and how you go by the base and tag up when you come back. He had the whole base running thing down, and he took pride in it. Well, how about that? You know, you forget he was a Dodger who won a championship. You know, we all know him as a senator, you know, in that big RFK stadium all those years on bad teams. He was a very important component of a very good Dodger team in the early 60s with Wills, Tommy Davis, Willie Davis, and Frank. And he was a big slugger on that team, Bobby. You probably remember it as a kid, but he was a much better offensive player in L.A. than you thought of before he went to Washington later in the 60s. How about that for a sec? Let me hear well, you're exactly right. He was a key component, uh, you know, to the Dodgers situation. It's just that he was such an outlier that there was really no one like him, and they didn't know they didn't know what to do with him. And you know, he was he was rather different. You know, Frank Frank wasn't just your normal jock. Um, you know, he was different. He as a coach, he would come to the ballpark at nine in the morning. He'd get in his shorts and his t-shirt. He'd walk around with his cigar the entire day really thinking he was burning calories off he'd take 40 minutes to go into the sauna with barbells and do his workout in the sauna if you can imagine and then come out and eat four steaks for lunch he was he was quite different than anybody else around him and uh, i don't know the dodgers in those days really could deal with the outlier that he was that's a very good point because they were a pitching and defense team. They were not a team that was going to rely on a home run. And then he goes to Washington, Bobby. We'll get to his coaching days with you, Bobby Valentine and Frank Howard. He goes to Washington, and he becomes you – know, he was always a good slugger. He becomes a tremendous home run hitter. I mean, he's one of the better home run hitters in the league between 1966 and 1971. Him and Killebrew, nobody had more home runs than him. Now, I don't know enough about that ballpark. If it was a good home run hitting ballpark, he's hitting 40, 45 home runs a year. With a 275 batting average. He's not hitting 210. He's hitting two with walks. So he was a much exactly. better offensive player than people realized. How about that for a sec? Go That's ahead. Before, yeah, you got it, Chris. That's before they lowered the mound. He was doing those things that, you know, when as Carl Yaskrensky was leading the league, hitting 301 in batting average uh, because the pitchers were so dominant, Frank was dominating pitchers. And like I said, he wasn't a wild swinger from everything that I have heard about him. I really don't have the real visual of him playing. But, you know, being in the same uniform as him for uh, three and a half or four years, you'd, you'd hear the legend. And, um, you know, he was that guy. He wanted to be – he played like a little guy at six feet seven, 250 pounds. He wasn't a wild swinger, and he ran the base as well. Think about that for a second. Wow, he ran the bases well, and he, six, that's a, he hit, and he got a big home run against Ford in game four of 65. Okay, how about him uh, as a coach? You mentioned his idiosyncrasies. Then he managed. He knew a lot about baseball, but I know he got along well with the players. Give me a little rundown on that for a sec. Go ahead. Let me hear. 
Oh yeah, you know he, you know he was a, a gentle giant. <clears throat> you hardly ever saw him get upset. There was one time though we were driving uh, to an airport. The guys had a few beers on on the bus. They were getting a little rowdy, and Frank told them to keep it down, and they got even a little more rowdy. And he had the driver of the bus pull over on the side of the highway, and he challenged the whole team to get off of the bus, and he was going to kick the hell out of the entire team if wow. they weren't going to shut up. It was just <laughs> classic. We, we drove the rest of the way to the airport in complete silence, okay, because he was, he was a dude. Frank was um, always talking baseball, and he had he had all of the uh, jargon, if you will. You know, you know, get yourself a piece of cheese and take a slice of it. Uh, you know, uh, pick a good one out and make sure you you, you make it right. Um, when he coached third, and it was only he only coached third for spring training one year for George Bamberger, he had different signs for the pitchers and catchers different signs for the infielders and different signs for the outfielders where he, as he was flashing signs, get it. Maybe the pitcher's up and the outfielders on second and the uh, infielders on first, he would give three different sets of signs for all three different guys. And he always had it right. And the players never got it. (laughs) (laughs) They they just couldn't, they, they, they couldn't figure out that there were all these signs that he was doing, but you know, he was very, um, he was very animated, you know. Big guy, six seven. You would think he was slow and and cumbersome. He always walked at a at a fast gait, and at third base or even at first base, you know, he was always clapping his hands rigorously and giving the signs in such a rapid fashion that George Bamberg on an opening day said, "Frank, you're too good of a first base coach for me not to keep you at first. So we're going to put you over at first base. We're going to have Valentine be the third base coach. I opened up the the 83 season coaching third base for the first time in my life, and it was in a big league game because the players couldn't get Frank signed. Well, that's full. You are sharp as a tack. I love that story. Now, Bamberger quit. That surprised all you guys, and Frank took over. Talk about that for a sec, Bobby. Let me hear. Go ahead. Chris, we're in L.A., now, George didn't want to take the job. You know, Frank Cash, and knew him from Baltimore. He was successful in Milwaukee. He wanted someone to bridge the gap until Davey Johnson, who was also Frank Cashin's guy, got ready in AAA to take over the Major League team. So George came in, and he was managing, and the team wasn't very good. And he was losing every bit of control. And we were in L.A. one day and took batting practice and got through batting practice. And now it's time for infield practice. You know, in those days, Chris, every team took infield practice every day and every player took it. Well, we called off infield practice, which was unheard of in those days. And George called the meeting and he walked out of his office into the middle of the locker room where everyone was sitting at their locker. We were figuring he was going to give us one of these, you guys stink and you better get your heads out of your butts or else it's going to be embarrassing type of speeches. Instead, he got in the middle of the line in the locker room and he said, boys, I decided to go fishing. And he walked out of the clubhouse, went into his, uh, into his office, got dressed and left. And Frank Cashew was on the trip and he took us down to the batting cage. The coaches, Jim Fry, Mel Stottlemyre, Bill Robinson, Frank Howard and I took us down to the batting cage. We sat on the, on the floor of the cage and Frank said, everything's going to be fine. 
and Frank Howard's going to be the manager the rest of the year. Well, Jim Fry was the, kind of a manager in waiting. You know, he was more cerebral, and and uh, he thought maybe he should have been the guy. But Frank Frank got the job to the, all of our surprise, and and he went right at it. Boy, he the next day he was giving lectures, he was giving demonstrations out at batting practice, and um, it, was, it was an amazing too much, but months but can you imagine the manager came in and said boys i decided to go fishing on a on a <laughs> bad team i never saw him again never saw him again the great frank Howard, never saw him again you know uh, i'm glad he won a title you know because he had a very illustrious career played for a long time i'm glad he won a title with that 63 dodgers i'm, I'm happy and he had a big home run and a big double in that series he hit 300 in that world series against la I'm, and then he's a character sounds like he's a big character he's a big teddy bear and he's a big character uh, that's what i get out of it go frank ahead howard was, frank howard was a character and and you know he he had the size and his appetite matched his size his ability to sit down and eat uh, portions of food are legendary. You know, like six steak dinner, not six steak dinners, six steak and egg breakfasts. He he had one time uh, on a road trip. They just kept bringing him a steak and two eggs, a steak and two eggs, and he ate the whole thing. He had six of them. <laughs> he was he was legendary and a, the- and a wonderful human being. That's a great job, Bobby. You really put a little light on it. I knew you'd be good with it. You, nobody's a better personality than you. Thanks for a little help here. Frank deserved it. Appreciate a couple minutes. Keep up the good work. You Thanks got for coming it. Up. You got it. Love you, man. Mis- dog. Take care. Mr. Valentine on Frank Howard. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.